It's been a while since we've connected with you, Fizz Nation. Tyler Aki, alongside Tim Leonard. We're finally back. A little bit of a hiatus. A little, a little summer vacation for the both of us. But we're, we're here. We're giving you a, a new updated Fizz cast. We've got a little bit to talk about. We've got some Oshuna Shune. He's going to St. Bonaventure. What does it mean for Syracuse? Take a look at this recruiting class. And then Tyus Battle. He's got a decision to make, Tim. He does. We're playing the waiting game. You know, it was it was a little bit of a break. I'm glad we got into vacation time, got away from the Syracuse weather, although it was getting a little bit better. But altogether, all there's still plenty to talk about because we're waiting on this Tyus Battle decision, but Oshuna Sunye, obviously, and then we'll get into some dome renovations and what that all means because that's big news, too. So still plenty to talk about, even though it's the offseason. Full disclaimer, too. Tim, we're not together right now. We are... Listen, I'm terrible with distances. I'm in Chicago. You're in North Carolina. We're not even in the same time zone. Yeah, we're not in the same time zone. You said, let's do this thing at 2 o'clock. And I was thinking, okay, it's about 2 o'clock right now. Um, but uh, it's 2 o'clock I your time, not mine time. I'm, I'm, it's 1 o'clock my Thanks time. For, uh, correcting. I, yeah. I've never even thought about that. Yeah, so we got to start using ET and CST in our text to each other now. But tough, man. We used to just be able to hop in the studio in yeah. five minutes. Like, so, just go right down the road. We're connecting over FaceTime right now. Hopefully this experiment works out. <laughs> if it doesn't, <laughs> we're, we're in for a long summer of FizzCast. But we, we've got plenty to talk about. And, I mean, I'm in Chicago. You're, you're in Cary, North Carolina. So we're probably going to end up talking about Northwestern and NC State because that, that's just... I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Definitely some Syracuse along the way. We've reacclimated to our environments, so be be prepared for all of that. All right, Fizzcast, let's go. Fizzcast. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won ten games this year. You're watching Fizz. Okay, not ten. We're so Fizz fans. Most brutal thing I've seen in thirty years. Welcome back to another episode of the Fizz, and especially that it comes from our people. OrangeFizz.net. So, Tim, whenever anything ever happens in the Syracuse basketball world, good, bad, the case of yesterday where pretty much it was a non-factor, Oshun Oshune picked St. Bonaventure over Syracuse, and Fizz Nation just came at us. Bonnie's Nation came at us. Everyone was upset, saying we were overreacting. We weren't overreacting, though. I don't think we ever once said this guy was, like, the next DeAndre Ayton or something like that, but... People weren't happy, and I guess I get why, kind of, but it, it, it just was a, a weird situation yesterday. Everyone just released the hounds at us. Oshun Oshune going to St. Bonaventure, not Syracuse. Not a big deal, though, but we still get attacked. Not a big deal. I mean, there were some salty fans out there, to say the least, and it's funny how these things work. Yesterday, you get the Tyus Battle news in the morning from uh, Zagoria saying he's likely gone. And we kind of, you know, we could have made educated guesses that that was probably what the what was going to happen anyway. But now it, you get a, a reputable source, and it seems like more of a inevitable outcome. And then on top of that, the decision later on in the day – and. It's funny how it works because all the Syracuse fans were like, I don't know why you guys are overreacting so much. He's just like not even ranked. He would have he would have been at bench piece for us. No no big deal at all. And of course if we got him, it would have been like, Oh, a great four year player. He's such an under the radar guy. What a steal we got and you know, it's just funny how that, that stuff all works. 
So, no Osuna, Oshun Oshune. I, you know, we, we've been calling him Osun. It's actually Oshun. Oshun Oshune. If you watch the Putnam Science Academy live stream of their dinner. Who, who live streams a dinner? Yeah, that was odd. I've never seen a recruit. Unless it's like the White House Correspondence Dinner. It was hard to find the specific time when the dinner was. So I was thinking, like, what's the average dinner time? 6.30, 7? Like, when is this decision going to be coming? Then I saw some stuff for 7, but that was an interesting move. I, I kind of liked it in a weird way. So, so you're a fan of the live stream dinner. We, we should live stream a fizz banquet, the inaugural fizz banquet. We'll live stream it. I think it was, it was kind of like a weird brag to bring up that they won the national championship. <laughs> like, they're celebrating... The national championship dinner. I know, by the way, like the guy that got the award for player of the game, he's going to pick between three good schools or whatever. So they just kind of took advantage of their moment and got it out there that they won the national championship a little bit more too. So, okay. We know the recruiting class now. It it seems pretty set in stone at this point. It's looking like we Syracuse has Jalen Carey, Buddy Bayheim, Robert Braswell, three recruits again, second straight year with just three guys, and That's so not bad, it's not it's not bad. But look at last year's recruiting class, real quick. It, it had Mark Dolajai, Howard Washington, Borama Sadibe, and O'Shea Brissett, and, and you're looking at that board and thinking, "Wow, we're in for a long year." Yeah. But it all kind of turned. About midway through the season, maybe early on in the season, when O'Shea Brissett showed that he was much better than wherever he was rated. It was outside the top 100. And this year kind of feels a little bit of the same and a little different. You've got star power for sure with Jalen Carey. Again, no Darius Baisley. Of course, that wound certainly hurts, but you move on. But with no no Baisley, Carey is now the head of this class. It... It's got the star power in it, and it's yeah. certainly a better class than last year. I th- would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like if we didn't have the whole Darius Baisley thing happen where he was committed, then he decommitted, then we'd be looking at this class and be like, this was a good bounce-back class. You got a top 30 guy or thereabouts with Dale and Carey who's going to provide a punch right, right away. He's going to maybe even work his way into the starting lineup. We'll see, but I think he'll start out on the bench and be a good scoring threat off the bench. And then... You've got the coach's son, Buddy Bayheim. He's a top 300 guy, top 275 mainly, and a good shooter, which will be a plus. And then you add Braswell. I just feel like when you had the potential of Baisley, it was looking like this great class, one of the best classes in the last decade, and you take him away, and it leaves a sting, and you look at it from that lens now, it's tougher to say, oh, this is a good class. But overall... It is a strong class. Like I think it's even underrated at this point, just because of the Basley thing. Yeah, and I think also, yeah, Buddy Beheim is what he's towards that three hundred marker in recruiting. But you talk to all these guys on the EYBL circuit, even talking to Basley, they say Buddy can flat out ball, and yeah. he can shoot the lights out of the out of the building too. So I think he's going to be a little better than people think as well. And yeah, and I feel like I mean he still got recruits. I know Gonzaga was after him. There were some schools after him, but the reason why he might not be had had as many offers is because everyone kind of assumed he was probably going right. to Syracuse, and why bother? So if he was just 
had that skill set and didn't have the connection to Syracuse or his dad was the coach, he probably would have gotten some good offers from ACC and Big East and Big Ten schools. They just didn't come because there was no point, really. Yeah, and I I really agree with that point, too. I I just think that if you kind of see the writing on the wall that he's going to Syracuse, and think about it this way, too. With, With Buddy Beheim coming in, there is no recruit that has been so familiar with the program. Yeah. And that that's it's certainly going to help with the 2-3 like zone. Every time like those freshmen struggle to get acclimated with the 2-3 zone and that's kind of one of the worst parts is or even you look back to a couple years ago with that roster that was top 25 coming off the final four run and that was the problem. They just couldn't get used to the 2-3 zone and Beheim's excuse was well it's a lot of new pieces and that's why it takes time to learn this defense, but with one of the three recruits already growing up learning that defense, that helps a lot. Yeah, at, at this point, Buddy Beheim's pretty much a 15th-year senior. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what he is really at this like point. Uh, yeah, no doubt. So you look at the recruiting class now, and then Robert Braswell, I think that's a nice add late in the process. With Braswell, again, it's that unknown factor. You, you add in that last little piece that maybe puts it over the the edge. You don't want to go into a class with just two guys, that's for sure. But with Braswell, again, he's kind of like your Dolezal. You don't know a lot. And in a sense, like Brissett, too. You just don't know a lot. Who is this kid? What can he do? He hasn't really played a lot of American ball. So what is he all about? What does he bring to the table? I think that's going to be the real piece that determines what the the build and the grade of this class is going to be when it's all said and done. Is he going to be an effective four-year player? Or is he going to be a guy who was under-recruited and maybe there was good reason for that? Yeah, I think basically the bottom line is it's easy to look at what's transpired in the past couple of months and what went on even yesterday with the Tyus Battle news and that coming out sort of and it's looking even more like he's not going to come back and also the Oshunier decision and say it's been a bad run for Syracuse basketball. But we were talking two, three weeks ago, and we were like, if they get between Braswell and Oshunier, who we knew were the two guys they had offered recently and were in talks with, Braswell would be the much better guy to get. And it's because he gives you forward depth, which is going to be important for next year's team without Baisley. And also, Brissett came back. Yes, you missed on Bryce Golden, but... I feel like overall it's just easy to see all the bad and, and forget about the good because this is still a strong class. I don't want that to get lost on people. Yeah, I think the Bryce Golden thing, that's going to hurt a little bit when it's all said and done. You probably would have liked to have him around next season. But other than that, uh, again, you just can't predict the Baisley stuff. That That right. is what it is. So it's going to be an interesting year. But I, just to backtrack a little bit to Oshun Oshune, Really, when I watch some of his tape, he just kind of reminds me of Chino Oboko. Yeah. <laughs> and he's probably going to average more fouls than minutes. <laughs> so, I, if I'm a Syracuse fan, I'm not too hurt that Oshuna Shune isn't coming. And for him, it's probably smart to not come to Syracuse either. You're going to come in as the third kind of center front court piece, whatever you want to call it. You're going to be the, behind Barama Sidiba and Pascal Chukwu in that department. So... Yes, Chukwu's gone after the year, and maybe you slot him to second, but Syracuse is also looking at some big guys for the class of 2019. You think of a guy like Isaiah Stewart, um, even Oshune's yeah. teammate, Akuka Kuk. So I think that when you look at all the pieces, it really didn't make sense for him to come here. And then I wrote about this too 
on our site, orangefizz.net. His other big option was Georgetown, too. And Georgetown, you've got George Murishin, who is the son of Georgie Murishin, the one of the tallest players in NBA history, and then Trey Morning, who's the son of Alonzo Morning. And look who's coaching that team. Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Who's he going to pick? Is he going to pick Ashuna Shune, who has zero NBA ties, or is he going to pick his buddy's sons to play ahead of him? Yeah, that's, that's definitely... Who, who's going to get the there. more attention well, there? He's just so raw. I mean, he picked up a basketball and started playing for the first time four years ago, which is ridiculous. And he did take a prep year, and that's what he was at Putnam doing, um, obviously. So... He's the type of player that might have developed maybe by his third or fourth year, but I feel like there would have been so many growing pains with him if he did come to Syracuse. I really think he probably would have redshirted, and that was yeah. probably pretty well known if um, he made that decision, at least because you look at the roster next year, and there's nine guys that are potentially going to play, barring no injuries or anything like that. So he wasn't cracking any playing time next year. And then you get into the second year, and he... You know, it's, it's just tough to find a spot on the roster when you're not a... He wasn't even rated in the top 500 on 247sports.com. And a lot of that is he's a late bloomer, and he's probably better than that. He might have been kind of an under-the-radar guy, but still, if you're not rated in that ballpark at all, then you're not going to crack playing time on a program like Syracuse, at least until what you'd think would be maybe your junior year and maybe third year in, counting a redshirt year. Yeah, or Georgetown for that matter, too. I mean, yeah. you look at... Even though Georgetown is sliding a little bit. Georgetown is certainly sliding, but uh, you still got Jesse Govan probably coming back for them as well. He's one of the more talented big men in the entire Big East, so you probably weren't going to crack the rotation there either, if I had to guess. Overall, Syracuse, I don't think, missing out on a ton here, and I think you agree with that. I don't think Georgetown missing out on a ton here, but this is kind of the perfect player for St. Bonaventure. Just that under-the-radar guy who might bloom. I think he'll fit in nicely with them. Um, I'm hoping he doesn't he doesn't burn Syracuse when they come to the Dome or whatever. Obviously, this past year was not a good game for them, and it was tough to see all those St. Bonaventure fans making making the Dome loud in the second half, but hopefully that phase is over. If he's anything like my projection of Chino Oboko, I don't think we have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> I really think that's one of your better player comparisons. <laughs> any of his highlights until you put that in my head and now I just can't get it out of my mind whenever I see him like making a layup or whatever it's like yeah that one was spot on pretty good one by you alright so we know the recruiting class let's look at some of what could happen next season and of course all this hinges on Ty's battle reports coming out earlier this week that he's pretty much gone it seems like and it's coming from Adam Zagoria and if you know anything about Zags, he's pretty close with the Battle family. He did the whole mini-doc with him when Tyus was making his decision and throughout his whole recruiting process. And I think that with Zags, he's got a pretty good beat on the Battle family. I think he was the first to Caliph's recruitment as well yeah, and I commitment. He was, yeah. he was one of the first guys there. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say this guy knows the Battle family. He's like the Jeff Goodman of the Battle family. By the way, did, I, I didn't see this until, uh, well, I think, like, the, the other day. Did you see that uh, LeVar cut out LeJeff from uh, The Will, pretty much? Yeah, yeah, he's done with <laughs> He's him, done right? with it. 
That's a that's a great side plot. I hadn't even uh, I hadn't even thought about that, but that's a funny connection. I feel like he does have a good beat on the Battle family for sure, though. So with Zagoria, I'm going to trust what he's saying about Tyus Battle, and and I think even though a lot of these websites are saying that Tyus Battle didn't help himself at this combine, it I kind of disagree with it because. Coming in, think about what he had to prove coming in. He had to prove he could play defense, and he had to prove that he could shoot the ball. Shot the ball pretty well from yeah. the things that I saw. I think he missed, like, in one of the scrimmage, he was, like, 5 of 7 or 3 of 5. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. And then 6 of 7 from the free throw line, 12 points. So, I... That's fine. I think the big thing was he just didn't really, like, impact the game. It's right. Fine. And I feel like the tough part is... He's such an isolation scorer. Like, it's hard for me to visualize him rolling off a screen, doing, like, a catch-and-shoot three or even a catch-and-shoot two or, like, making a back cut because we just never saw that at Syracuse. That wasn't his role. He had to be that isolation guy. And maybe that's hurt him a little bit because when you're playing with tougher competition and all these guys that are also really good scorers, and it's just tough for him to... He, he can't be that isolation guy because there's too many other... The, the old saying that there's only one basketball and there's too many guys to go around. So I feel like that's the biggest thing for him is we know he's a good scorer, but he's got to work on like rounding out his offensive game so that he's not just making baskets through isolation. Yeah, and I didn't watch a lot of the combine. I caught bits and pieces here and there. But it, from what I was seeing on Twitter, it looked like he was bunched up with a lot of ISO guys too. So... That certainly didn't help their team. I think he was like yeah. Team Gray or something like that because they got smoked by like 30 points in a scrimmage. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, no, I know they got they got it handed to it pretty good. But it's just he's not the Dante DiVincenzo where his name is all of a sudden coming up. And he, he everyone's talking about how during the whole combine process, he's making winning plays. He's testing off the charts in all these departments and... He just puts together a hell of a combine. He's not the DiVincenzo. And that was one of the guys, I wrote a piece, you have to outperform a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, who now may have worked his way into the first round and is probably going to go to the NBA at this point, even though if you asked him at the beginning of the season, are you going to the NBA? He probably would have laughed at you. But meanwhile, Ty's battle, I think... The the perfect Mal candidate. Yeah, as we've discussed. Renamed the Mal candidate for his performance to go all the way to the championship. To win a championship for his team yeah. <laughs> and then go straight to the NBA after. But I'm, it's just, it, I don't know. I mean, it's clear, obviously, that he hurt his stock. Like, that's just a fact at this point in terms of what he did at the combine, talking about battle, because he went from late first round in a lot of these mocks to basically late second round. And that obviously, it, there's a ton of guys in that. You go to the combine if you're in that late first round range, and that's really pivotal. So it wasn't a it wasn't a good combine in that regard. But at the same time, based on what we're hearing, based on what Zagoria said, and really just my thought process this whole time has been, I think he's going if he if he's testing the waters, and I think we've agreed on that. So even though he hurt himself, I don't think Syracuse fans should be getting their hopes up because he's probably still seeing his name on a couple of these mock drafts around late first round, and he's being optimistic and saying, well, that's worth it then. But look at it this way, too. If Battle keeps his name in, he's going to get drafted. It's not like he's going to go undrafted. 
So no way. That, that, that's the thing that's making me think it, it really doesn't matter. Once you go in that second round, if you're pick 31 or pick 60, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a difference, but money-wise, really. but there's really yeah, not going to be that I much. It's a big difference if you miss out on like 25 to 32, like late first round to early second round because right. you don't get the guaranteed money. But if you're going to be in the second round, it's not that big of a deal. And honestly, I've seen like mock drafts for next year, assuming he comes back and he's not even in like firmly inside the top 20 in those. And I feel yeah. like a lot of these scouts and stuff are saying like if I'm him, I just go because I don't think he really is going to bolster he can't bolster his stock too much to where it's worth it to give up another year and be a year older going into the draft next year so if you're going to be a second round pick if it's going to be in the early second round it's probably worth it for him to just go this year unfortunately because i don't think he gets inside the lottery i don't think there's any chance of him doing that next year if he did come back yeah i agree with that everyone always likes to bring up the whole thing oh next year's a weaker class well this year was supposed to be a weaker class, and then everyone yeah. kind of comes out of the woodworks. You see the Trey Youngs, the Colin Sextons, the uh, even guys like Marvin Bagley. He wasn't supposed to be in this draft. Luka Doncic is a guy who just floats his name in, and now he's in the draft. Shea Gilgis-Alexander probably wasn't a guy who was even going to declare. Dante no. DiVincenzo was not <laughs> going to come into this draft. And, and it just ends up bulking up by the time you get to draft time. So... I, I hate that that narrative that it's always, oh, next year's a weaker class because there's going to be so many pieces that come out of nowhere that you don't see. And, and there's probably some Euro guys that no one knows about right now. And there's going to be some college sleepers that come out of nowhere and have great seasons as freshmen. So to say it's a weaker class, I'm, I don't buy that until I actually see the class shape up. I've, yeah, I'm pretty sure every single draft class for the past five years has been like the best draft class in recent memory. And maybe that's just because I'm like watching ESPN talk about it and they have the draft and want everyone to be watching or whatever. But I agree completely. I feel like around this time next year, we might be saying the same thing with O'Shea Brissett. Like, oh, he should come back because this is a really strong class and next year will be weaker. <laughs> like, it's, it's going to be one player each year where you fall into this discussion. And the bottom line is, it really matters what age you come out. And if he's a year younger this year, that's way more enticing for an NBA franchise to pick him up this year because they, then he's going to get in with more potential and more room to grow. And, I mean, even look at a guy like Michael Porter Jr., who at, at the beginning of last season, everyone's saying, okay, he's the consensus number one pick. He's going to be drafted five through seven now, it looks like. And yeah. I don't think Jaron Jackson was on a lot of big boards. But yeah, it's it's it, it's just so tough to predict. Like I'd like to go back in time and look at what the mock drafts were at this time last year for the draft because I'm sure no one saw Trey Young. No one people probably thought Bagley would be higher. I mean, there's just always going to be some variables that come into play that no one saw coming. Yeah, just just don't check Chad Ford's. Do you remember that when he used to fudge his old? He used to go back and edit his old mock drafts. Oh, really? I yeah. heard that. You even heard that? I think it may have gotten yeah. him fired. Uh, but he used to go back and edit his old mock drafts. Good for him. That's uh, that's dedication. That's, that's working on your craft. Yeah. I respect that, man. Um, so anyways, battle, I, I think we can agree, is gone. Right? Yeah, He's got until I mean, May 30th to decide. Today is... 
the 22nd as I check my phone. Yeah, the 22nd. So he's got about eight days. And knowing him, he's going to wait till the 30th. Yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be at like 1130. That's just how Q's fans should come to expect it and how this offseason's been, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, I would say it was probably 60-40, 70-30, I felt, going into the combine. And, and I just feel like it even went up, even though that really, I guess, logically doesn't make sense because his stock went down. But based on what we're hearing and based on what I've seen out there, it, I don't. I haven't seen anyone that's been like, yeah, he's coming back. Like, in, There's been a lot of people that's like, I'd likely guess he's going. So maybe he'll shock us all, but I would say it's very good likelihood that he, he ends up declaring for the draft the, I think it all kind of comes in the verb what you're that you're using when you see Ty's battle is you see a lot of he is likely going or you'll see he should come back so yeah, the right. should come back comes from the people who are just kind of outsiders the he is likely going is coming from people that are seemingly in on the ground level you look at the guys like the the zags the Mike Waters and all the other analysts, and if you look at some other mock drafts, they're all saying he's likely going to keep his name in, even if he is going to be the 45th through 55th pick in the draft. He's going to keep his name in because he really can't impact his stock anymore, it seems like. You're just going to add some more miles on. Probably going to end up playing 36 minutes a game next season, so I think he's good as gone. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like my... I guess prospects of him being a good NBA player have kind of gone down too. The more I like think about his game, I'd say like midway through the season last year, I was like, oh yeah, he's an NBA player. Like I think he's going to be better than Malachi. And now, just based on the way he scores, like someone brought that up to me, like he only scores in isolation. And I thought about that. He's not going to be based on what his role will be when he first gets to an NBA franchise or even gets his first playing time on an NBA team, he's not going to be getting like isolation looks. So if he isn't scoring through other ways, then it's going to be tough for him to prove that he's a capable scorer and should be out on the floor. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And again, I think it's going to be his defense that if he's going to make it in the NBA, it's going to be because he's developed a, a consistent three-pointer and he's a, a lockdown defender. And it, we'll see. I, I guess this is kind of the waiting game at this point. But both of us thinking he's in. And kind of tough to disagree with that at this point. So, the other big news... Uh, I mean, wait, any last thoughts on Tyus before we move on? No, I think we hit it all. I mean, I'm sure it'll take till May 30th. And like I said, I, I feel like he should go. Even though I'm seeing his stock is down... If I'm him, I'm probably going just based on you. Like you said, we'll just waste more miles next year, and it won't be. It's not like he's going to bolster his stock too much. So I think if he's in that early second round range or even mid second round range, he'll probably still go. Okay. The the one topic we did not we haven't hit on in Fizz Radio or Fizzcast lately are these dome renovations. So this is the new thing right now. It's some 100 plus million dollar project there there's going to be some changes coming and i think one of the interesting ones is certainly that roof and how yeah, the, that was interesting. they're remodeling the what roof. are your thoughts on that so first of all I, listen I, I i'm not any the price is right genius right here but 
the fact that the dome doesn't have a retractable roof is ridiculous. Because yeah. the football is meant to be played outside. I, I, I'm not positive on this, but I'm pretty sure Syracuse is the only place that plays college football in a dome. Yep, as a home sure stadium. Because I'm pretty sure that, that isn't that a Dino? Because I've heard it definitely out there. So isn't that a Dino saying? We're the only place with a dome? I feel like that's a Dino saying. Yeah, so, <laughs> he's probably brought that up a couple times. So he's probably used it as a selling point. Just you, I mean, I would I would buy anything from Dino. He could yeah. sell me on a pet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think... Uh, listen, I don't know how much it would have costed, but I think it you you would like to have a retractable roof because football should be played outside when it's nice out. And then if, it, if it's really crappy outside, just close the roof. Yeah, see, my thing is like, we're, I mean, isn't this inevitable that at some point we're going to go to a retractable roof? So why, like, we're putting in a $100 million renovations and it's the first time in ever that they've renovated this place and it's long overdue. And, you know, if you make these changes, it's going to take another 20-plus years probably, maybe even more, until you make more changes. That's the idea, at least when you make these changes. You have the future in mind. So I kind of agree. I don't... I, I heard some rumblings that they were going to go to the retractable roof, and I was all in on that just because it's more fun to watch a football game when it's outside, especially on a nice day in Syracuse. Those as few and far between. Very often, so if you're a Syracuse fan and you see a nice day, it's like, okay, should I hang outside or should I go inside the dome for four hours and watch the game? It'd just be better for everyone if we could watch it outside. I know it wouldn't be like every time because the weather's not usually formidable for that, but. If we do have a nice day, I want to take advantage of that. Yeah. So, kind of the structure that they showed on top, that like roller coaster type structure, they have to cover that up, right? Yeah, I don't. It'll so, look. It looks more like a like a pavilion type setting if you cover that up. It looks cool. Meanwhile, if you just leave it up there, it looks disgusting. Yeah. So I'm always whenever I see stuff like that, I'm, it's it's kind of like. At first, change just is alarming in general. And you think to yourself, okay, if this was here for 10 years, you'd probably get used to it, right? But even after thinking through that logic with the sketches I've seen of this place or this roof, I don't know. I like how the dome looks from, like, in terms of, like, skyline, I guess you could say, when you're driving in already. Like, that's not my mm-hmm. problem with the dome. It's everything inside, which obviously they're <laughs> rectifying. But I don't, I don't think they needed to, to do anything to the outside. I think that was actually a pretty cool look as is. It might be a little outdated, but I feel like it, that's kind of why it makes it sort of cool and it's recognizable. And then you kind of made it almost, like, theme parky and a little too... It, it, they just went overboard, I think, with that whole idea. Maybe it'll look better once I actually see it on top of the dome because these are obviously sketches, but I liked how it looked already. So when they officially get rid of that roof, do you just open the doors and let all the air out? <laughs> like <laughs> th- That'd know. be a bad day to be a golfer in central New York. Just yeah, open the doors, let yeah, all the right. air out. That is going to be quite the or do you, like How do you start that project? I don't know, man. That's You're something. asking the wrong guy. I'm, we need to get someone to call into the FizzCast. We'll get like an engineer or someone working on the dome and, and break down the logistics of this because yeah. that is way above my favorite. <laughs> Anyways, so a couple of the other things. They talked about this, the scoreboard, the Jumbotron. I think that's just a must in any college stadium in Absolutely. this day and age. You need something centralized. And 
I, I know during the press conference, Wild Hack and Pete Sala said, it's not Jerry World, but it's big. And I think that wow factor is going to be good. And I, I like the fact that they're going to be able to move it for basketball, too. And I think they even yeah. opened the door to the the potential to play basketball in the middle as well. And I think that Bayheim's last game is definitely going to be in the middle. <laughs> I don't know, though. I feel like when you have, like, less seating close to the court if it's in the middle how are you thinking you would i I, i'm not saying maybe it's maybe it's not directly it's maybe not directly in the middle but you shift it a little bit to add more seating because keep in mind the final four every year is in a football stadium so you you can fit a ton of people in there and and i feel like i I don't know i feel like Bayheim's last game you show out like that yeah (laughs) who knows when that'll be but because I feel like right now, I know the record when they played Duke, whatever it was, 2012 or something like that, um, it was 35,000 or somewhere thereabouts. And I feel like that is, there were people like way away from the court and had literally no no shot of seeing anything when it was 35K. So not saying that like they're going to reach that number often, but if they could get to 40K and actually have visible seats, that would be pretty cool. But keep in mind too, okay? Bayheim is is college basketball royalty. If you can get thirty five thousand in there for Duke, how many do you think you can get in there for Bayheim's potential last game? Yeah, that's true. You that'll, could fill. You would fill that place. Anyone sure. just wants to be in there. I feel like. Yeah, anyone who I mean, even if you're someone who grew up in the area and doesn't even like basketball, you've heard that guy's name for the last forty years throughout the Syracuse area. So. You'd go to that game just to say you were there, I feel like. Yeah, even if you had the, the crappiest seat in the building. Uh, there's going to be so many people who just want to be there for it. And, and the secondary ticket market would be off the chain for a game like that, even in, in a nosebleed seat. But, um, yeah, so there, there's that potential. Um, there's also, they're getting air conditioning about about time. And, and, all right. Finally. Let's bring this up too, because this is kind of the the elephant in the room with this whole dome renovation. Is you're bringing in air conditioning, but it may not be called the carrier dome by the time you do, and that's certainly interesting. The way that Syracuse kind of addressed this whole thing, they didn't necessarily call it the carrier dome in any not of the press once, releases. Never. never once called it the carrier dome, and I know that carrier, I believe, paid that one time fee for naming rights, and this is the time where Syracuse can kind of make some money off the, these naming rights now. I don't know what exact, or where exactly you would go to try to to rename this. Would you go local? Would you go national? Uh, I've seen some things floated around, but uh, I don't know. I just don't think it's going to be the Carrier Dome by the time this whole project's done. Yeah, I think Carrier Dome is, is a thing of the past. It's kind of like they're rebranding almost, too, because it's going to be... I mean, I've seen it referred to as like a stadium now instead of a dome, yeah. which, I mean, obviously it's still going to always be like, oh, yeah, you're going to the dome later. Like, it's not... No one's going to call it the stadium. That's kind of ingrained in people's thoughts at this point. But it seems likely that if they were going to re-up with Carrier or if that was discussed, then they would at least, like go ahead and call it what it's already called. The fact that they kind of just skated around it and never once said it makes me believe that it's probably that phase is over. 
Yeah. So I was thinking of some potential changes. The one I really liked was Spectrum, but then you alerted me that that's already the Charlotte Hornets stadium, and yeah, I don't think Spectrum think would shell out for two. Coworker Jonathan Hoppy would be too happy about that. <laughs> Big Hornets fan who is always bragging about the Spectrum Center. I'm sure. I mean, you could make that work, but I don't know. It's weird because. You said, like, you go local, do you go national? I feel like it's such a big name. Like, think about how many times the Carrier Dome was said, whether it was on ESPN or whatever, that it's it's got to require a lot of money. So I joked, like, Dinosaur Barbecue should drop the but, bag. But does place. Dinosaur Barbecue have that kind of money? I don't think they have that kind of I don't think they have those bags to be yeah. dropping because it, they got to probably get a national brand. And unless, I mean, I don't know. I want it to be a place that got a little bit of a local flair or something. Someone said Wegmans. I saw that on Twitter. Area, but it's tough because it's just going to cost so much money. Yeah, Wegmans might be one of those things where it's a regional thing. Yeah. You see Wegmans out on the yeah, East Coast. That's a good idea. So I'm thinking I, that I'd might be the closest my, my one. Top pick. I don't know. I don't know why they would do it though. I don't know if that's. I've never seen like a supermarket or. Yeah. Well, I mean. Walmart hasn't been on any. I don't think so. Anything yeah. Anything like that. The Target Center's out there. Target. Yep. Target. That's Minnesota. Or Target yeah. Field. Target Field is a. Uh, is the Twin Stadium in Minnesota? Right. Target Center's yeah. a thing too, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a Target Center. Um. So, but I don't know about any other grocery stores or supermarkets. Wegmans would definitely be a trailblazer. Yeah. That would be awesome if they did that. Yeah. That'd be the most fitting thing ever, given. <laughs> How everyone in that area loves Wegmans. They love so they love Wegmans. I mean, yeah. Listen, it's a grocery store. <laughs> that that's kind. Of, everyone everyone always talks about. Oh, Wegmans is so great, and that's one of the things that they tell every every new person on campus is you have to go to Wegmans. It's just another grocery store. <laughs> that's all I, mean, I see it as. It's nothing I mean, special. It is, I will say, I I coming from North Carolina now living up there. I will say it's one of the nicest grocery stores I've been to. That being said, when you go to that place on a Sunday, it's ridiculous. Like, is there just no other options? Like, why are – I guess everyone loves that place. I've never been in a region or an area where every single member or every single person or citizen that lives in that area only goes to one grocery store. It just makes it crazy. I know there's multiple of them, obviously, but everyone's in on Wegmans. I've never seen it like that in any other area. You know, I never knew before I, I came to Syracuse, I never knew that grocery stores were regionalized. I just always thought that, like, yeah. by me, we have Jewel. And I think that, I just thought that everywhere had Jewel. But I was clearly never wrong. Or, or We used to have yeah. Dominic's, too. I've never heard of that. I mean, like, Mariano's. Peter is down by North Carolina. Piggly Wiggly is down, like, even further south, like, there, there's definitely, depending on where you are, it's regionalized. I think everything now is regionalized besides grocery stores, too. Yeah, so that that was kind of a culture shock for me. I, I did not know that was a thing. And then everyone's like, oh, Wegmans. But Wegmans is just like every grocery store I've ever seen by me. So I, I'm not blown away by it by any stretch. But, hey, people in central New York are. And it, it would make a, a nice sponsor for the Dome. Yeah. I Although, it, would it even that. be a Let's Dome? The Wegman's Dome. What what are we gonna call it? I, Would I mean, be Wegman's it Stadium. Roll off the tongue, but I feel like Wegman's is the perfect sponsor. That'd just be such a coincidence. Yeah. All right. Uh, the last thing, the last big thing was the Wi-Fi. Eh, I don't care. Also, the bathrooms. We 
Oh, the that. bathrooms. That's right. Those yeah. Be way so I'm, I'm pumped about that. <clears throat> so coming from Chicago, going to Wrigley Field is that like that troughs are kind of my upbringing. Like it's just the most efficient way at a stadium yep. to to relieve yourself. No doubt about it. And it looks like the troughs are on the way out. Yeah, I mean it's an A for efficiency, but in almost every other category, it's below a C but or a D. You're, <laughs> so a you're only in there for what a minute, two minutes. Would you yeah, rather wait? I don't know, man. Those things were. It just felt like if there was one specific part that made you feel like you were in 1970, I guess the no AC was right up there. But going to the bathroom every time you're like. I get it. Like, this is a big arena. It's been here a while, but at some point, we need to upgrade this a little bit. I think For, that was well overdue. No, I, I see, I'm going to disagree with you right there. This is the really? most efficient you way. Like the classic look? Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Because, okay, think about it. Your typical stadium bathroom, you, you, there's just a line of urinals, right? So it's what? Maybe like 12 long? This yeah. The troughs? It's as many as you can pack in there, man. It's like sardines. <laughs> you, you're going shoulder to shoulder with that. people. Just get in, get out, do your business, and I, I, I'm i going to miss the troughs. I'm going to say it. I'm going to miss the troughs. And I know I'm not alone in that, too. We need to get out a poll. Let's just put out a poll in order <laughs> yeah. to Troughs or no troughs. Yeah. Team troughs or whatever. Because, I don't know, I'm, I'm against it. I feel like that, that's the biggest plus. That's one of the biggest pluses, at least. Obviously, the Jumbotron, all these other things we're, name, we're naming are great. But from a fan experience, it's going to be nice to walk in the bathroom and just not feel like you went back in a time machine like 30 years. <laughs> uh, yeah, the whole trough. That, that, that's going to be a Fizz feedback question for Fizz Radio this week. I've already decided. <laughs> I'm in on that. Um, but getting back to the Wi-Fi, I don't think anyone's more excited about the, the new Wi-Fi than J.D. Rauchy of the Fizz because all that kid does, likes to do is complain. <laughs> and now in that there's... General. But specifically about the Wi-Fi. Yeah, and now he's just gonna, now he's just so happy that there's new Wi-Fi. He even pointed it out in his dome renovations piece. But the the whole Wi-Fi thing, no one's happier than JD. So claps for JD. Congrats, yeah, man. Good for JD. And he, also good you for know, us. he's definitely the kid. Because we don't have to hear that for the next <laughs> whatever years. Because that that'll get old sometimes. You know, he definitely. There's probably some suggestion box somewhere. You know, he stuffed that thing full with Wi-Fi complaints. Oh, if he didn't, then no one is, because he was, he was always on that train, for sure. All right. That, that's all I got. Dome renovations, Tyus, Oshun Oshune. Anything else yeah, you want to add? I, I think we'll see on Tyus. We'll play the waiting game. We'll obviously give immediate reaction when he does make this decision. It's not looking good, but this roster is still 9 deep, regardless of not getting Oshune and, and Tyus is not coming back if you counter if you factor in Braswell, Bayheim, Washington, Sidibe, and Carey is probably going to be your bench. And then the five guys that most people know, you slide in Hughes basically to the starting lineup last year. So it's still a strong roster, and there's no reason to hit the panic button. Obviously, Oshunier was never going to be a, a, the type of piece that was going to add any help to this team next year. It's not like he was going to take them to the Elite Eight or whatever. So no big deal, and we'll wait on Tyus, but... Not, not looking too great. Do you have a conspiracy corner? I completely forgot. Oh, I forgot. I I did have one. What was mine? Oh, I've got I've got my conspiracy corner okay. ready to go. Do you have one? I have mine. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mine is. I don't know if this is if this is looking as good after the draft combine, 
because obviously Tyus' stock has been lowered a little bit. But my conspiracy corner a couple weeks ago is Tyus Battle to the Celtics because I saw Gary Battle, as we love, we both love him, mm-hmm. tweeted out um, in saying, I think he tweeted out bragging about the three-pointers that Tyus made at the NBA. Maybe it was at the Combine or definitely at some workout or something of that nature where he was like 20 of 25 from NBA range. Maybe it was even better than that. I can't remember the specific number. But at the end of the tweet, he put the Celtics emoji. Mm. And in my mind, as Wait. a Celtics fan, immediately went to, oh, maybe he's getting some interest from the Celtics. Late first round range is what he was estimating around that time. And who knows? If, if there's a team to snag him in the late first round, maybe he's worked out for them or they like him a little bit, but that's my conspiracy corner is Tyus battled the Celtics after seeing that emoji. Why would you put the Celtics emoji for any other reason? So I like, was good it, luck? I don't, I don't get it. Was it just the shamrock or was it the hashtag yeah, like the CS like the, rise? The four leaf clover okay. type shamrock thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. That's not something that I throw into like the end of text or anything. Yeah. Usually that's Celtics related if you're putting that in something. So, right. Maybe I'm reading too much into it as a Celtics fan, but that's what stuck out to me. So, you'd know better than I do. Do the Celtics have a second-round pick? Yeah, they do. I think they have two second-round picks, actually. Two second-round picks. So, okay, you could be right there. Yeah, if he does come to the Celtics, or if he gets drafted by the Celtics, whether it's first round or second round, then I'm claiming all responsibility. (laughs) I hope you know that. (laughs) Well, uh, okay, it's Gary Battle. Gary Battle gets the credit. You. Or yeah, I guess you get the true. you get you, you get the credit. The Gary Battle gets the assist. I feel like I'm the only one that spotted that, so I'm going to take a good portion <laughs> of the credit. Uh, my conspiracy corner is also Tyus Battle related. He used to follow me on Instagram for the longest time. Then I noticed the other day he unfollowed me, and here here's my conspiracy why. I think he went on on a followers purge. Just oh, got rid of yeah. everyone. He went through everyone. Everyone went does. through. I mean, went that's, through that's everyone. A yeah, that's a classic move. That that's a typical college student move, but he went through the purge, and and I didn't make it out of the purge, man. I didn't make <laughs> I'm it. Sorry. Man. So I'm thinking he's locked in. He's gonna be an NBA star. So he's like, all right, I have to delete all these college people that I, I affiliated with. So that's why I didn't make the cut. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's why he's going to the league, uh, and that's a were sign. Probably right on the borderline too. He was probably. No, I definitely like, wasn't. Uh, I was probably the first one cut. Connection. You know, kind of a good guy, but just not good enough. <laughs> yeah, story of my life. Um, <laughs> anything else before we wrap this thing up? No, I think we'll uh, we'll talk again once Tyus makes this decision and and have immediate reaction to that. But we'll see. I think I think we hit on everything for now. I think hopefully we'll get a couple lull days here in, in Q's Nation for the rest of the off season after, especially after Tyus makes this decision. But overall. No reason to panic too much, I think, is the big point. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and subscribe on iTunes, Orange Fizz. You'll get all the Fizz casts as well as Fizz Radio episodes, exclusive interviews. We just did one with Paris Bennett not too long ago. A lot of Fortnite chat. And yeah, I know. Give me some pointers. I know, I know Tyus Battle is a big Fortnite guy, so if he gets drafted or if he signs the agent and is going to the draft, We'll have to try to get him on here, and we can talk about Fortnite with him. Because him and Matt Moore yeah. like to team up a lot on Fortnite. Yeah, totally. They're always on that, I feel like. So maybe they can give me some pointers, too. Yeah. 
So we'll, we'll talk Fortnite with Tyus Battle if we can get him on. And we can also confront him about why he unfollowed me on Instagram. And, and if he's going to the Celtics. So we could crack a lot of conspiracy codes if, if we ever get Tyus Battle on this episode. All right. You know where to find us. Thanks for listening.